Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. We're in a season right now um, where we feel that God's really speaking to our hearts. And God really wants your heart engaged with Him. And within your heart is everything that is critical for the realization of the promises of God in your life. And most of the battle happens in your heart. And, and so we're going to be talking around heart fight and developing a fight within our heart, a fight for our heart, and a fight from our heart. Um, before we do that, though, I really like good news. I like progress. I like to see that things are happening and things are further along than they were this time last year. And so I had a couple of cool um, pictures. You know, your phone likes to remind you of things that happened like a year ago. I don't know how smart your phone is. I feel like I'm just having a conversation with Melissa that we want to go to Chick-fil-A and then a Chick-fil-A ad shows up. I mean, there's, it's a little smarter than I want, but some of these notifications have been beneficial. And one of them is a picture that we got from um, Connect Group a year ago. And uh, now, I know, I know, I know. Nate, you look so handsome in that thing. Yeah. Um, what was really cool is this was right before Melissa and I moved up here December 15th and coming up to Boise wondering what the heck God had in store. Um, and... Uh, and so we sent the incredible Robins up before us, and then there was this whole community of people meeting at the Punkas, Simon and Natasha, and they were believing and standing and believing for an awakened church in Boise, and they were not willing to settle for anything less than the best. And so this was that connect group that they were at, and I want you to know tonight we're launching eight new connect groups. We have over like 150 people in Connect Group right now. And what's happening is our community's growing because healthy things grow. Um, so that's kind of cool. And then, now this was the other one that really blew my mind, was a picture of men's prayer um, a year ago. This is over a little over a year ago. This is a bunch of crew. We didn't even have the building yet. Loiterers. Oh, yeah, yeah, they were loitering. They were... Up in the morning, walking around the building, like the weird faith people. Probably praying in the spirit, probably yelling. You know what I mean? Taking communion, like, like it wasn't religious, like it actually, like there was results on the other side of taking communion. Imagine that. Can we give it up for, for Daniel? What a word. What an amazing word. Man, you and Gary, huh? we got so many great ministers in this house. But anyway, um, you want me to keep going, huh, babe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, um, this was a year ago, okay, and we were believing for this building. We didn't have this building. We just had faith for it. We believed God's word was counteracting the word that the agent said, which is not available. They won't sell to a church. But we had God's word. And then we had to be the tiebreaker. So these guys are the tiebreaker around the building, giving their voice to God's word versus circumstances. Great preaching right there, Gary. I might have to take that. In fact, I might just camp on that a little bit. 
Are you adding your voice to your circumstances? Or are you adding your voice to God's word? Because God's word in your mouth is as powerful as his word in his mouth. But your circumstances in your mouth also has power. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. You and I want to be people. We want to be a church, a community that gets in agreement with the word and the will of God, which in this case a year ago was this building's ours. We believe it's the word of the Lord. We had prophetic words. Uh, people in other cities prophesying over this building was ours. And so here we are, um, but then here we are two weeks ago, 63 of us at men's prayer. And I mean, it's fire in there. It's not, it's not timid. It's not tame. In fact, what I find is the more manly men show up, the more they're like, this is a prayer meeting. Yeah, you got guys like Vogel. Where you at, Vogel? That sexy beard. He, if he's showing up, man, you know that it's a man's meeting. All right. Um, it's exciting, though, to progress and see progress. I want you to know, men's prayer, be there this Tuesday, 530. Um, it's the place to be. Hey, real quick, um, I, I had just been seeing a word this morning for um, Brian and Sharon Howard. Where are you guys? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you guys stand up real quick? Uh, I just heard the word just faithful. And God sees your faithfulness, and he's a rewarder of faithfulness, and he's a truster of those who are faithful. Those who are faithful with little are trusted with much. And I see you have been faithful with all kinds of things. You know, the building, you've taken over things for Tyler in this season, faithful with ushering, faithful with so many things. But what I see is because you've been faithful, God's going to trust you with the desires of your heart, which is really people and ministry and, and caring for people. And I see God's going to trust you with the anointing. He's going to trust you with his presence. He's going to trust you with his word. He's going to trust you with faith. And I just even release right now the favor and the blessing of God over the Howard family. I, I just thank you, God, for Brian and Sharon. I thank you for their faithfulness, their serve, their home. I'm telling you, you guys are home, you're home, you're home, but there's a whole lot of people that are going to benefit because you're home. And there's a whole lot of people that are going to find their home because of you, because of your life and your faithfulness. And I just release the blessing of God over the Howard home. In Jesus' name. Okay, okay, okay. Also had the Hartmans just showed up. What the heck? Talk about marrying up, Jack. How'd you get the beautiful Candace? Goodness gracious. <sighs> All right, well, let's dive into this thing. Heart fight, heart fight. Um, the greatest fight that you'll ever have in your life will be in your heart, and it'll be a fight of faith. If you and I can learn how to fight with our heart for faith, for the promises of God, for the will of God in the earth, it starts in your heart. Everything starts in your heart. And you believe in your heart first, and then it's realized in the world, okay? And so we are people that care about your heart. Your heart is also the thing that if you neglect, you can shut down the promises of God and the will of God. And all of us have had heart trauma. And what we want to do is be open to bringing our hearts to God so that he can bring healing where there's been damage, but also release faith so that we can bring about changes where we need circumstances, circumstances to be different, okay? And so I'm, I was just thinking back in my Bible college days, and, and I learned about the three components of a man, 
three components, not of like a male man, but of humanity, okay? And so I wanted to throw, throw that up here real quick, okay? Now, all of us, all of us, if you're born of the Spirit, you have a spirit, your spirit has a soul, and you live in a body, okay? Most people in the world, they let their body, their nerves, their senses, their cells, their organs, their brain dictate all the, all the where they're going to end up. Most people, that's your earthly, your sensual, you're driven by the world, what you smell, what you taste, what you see, and therefore all your circumstances dictate who you are and what you are. That's called being earthly. But the beautiful thing about being born again is inside your heart, you, your spirit comes in and you're renewed and you're made in the image of God. And for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, you believe in your heart and you open your heart up for the spirit of God to take root in you. And to the degree that you open your heart up to God and his goodness is to the degree that the government of God will begin to take over your soul. Now your soul is your conscious mind, okay? Some, we've got some smart people in here. Where's Tyson? Tyson, the smartest guy in the room all the time. Um, always reasoning, always thinking, okay? Sometimes your reasoning and thinking gets you in the right place. It depends on who's governing. You might be reasoning and thinking about all your externals instead of reasoning and thinking about what God has said, okay? So I'm going to say both, all of these, depending on who they serve, depending on who they line up with, depending on who the governor of your life is will determine how your reasoning works. The, the other, though, is your subconscious mind, your beliefs, your attitudes, your feelings, your emotions, your memories. For you, fish sticks is a good memory or a bad memory, depending on where you were when you had fish sticks last and what that triggers. What triggers you might trigger me completely differently. But subconsciously, you are subject to all kinds of things in your past. What happens is when we begin to let the government of God into our heart, it begins to rule over our subconscious and conscious mind, and then it begins to play out in the, in the natural, the practical. Good? So that's just a little good Bible school. You remember that in Bible school, Jack? You remember that? Do you remember that class? Oh, you didn't do well in that class. He probably taught that class. He's so smart. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I'm going to share some quick scriptures, rapid fire, and then we're going to get in. And, and I want you to know, like, Melissa and I, when we came up here a year ago, we, we came up here to put faith in you. Not to teach, not to preach, not to entertain, to put faith in your heart. I'm just telling you, that's what we came. We came to heal hearts. Restore broken places, um, get people free from things that have kept life from operating the way it's supposed to, and put faith in your heart. And that's what we came to do. And I want you to know today you're going to receive an infusion, an impartation of faith in your heart. Okay? Man, I got this picture, uh, and I didn't share this at the 9. I'm going to try to share it super quick. But I was out on this prayer walk this week uh, along our property, and uh, one, a tree had fallen down and knocked over this barbed wire fence, and I was walking along, and I saw um, some, like, thorns, some thorns. And it's interesting. They had, like, wound up, and it looked like the crown of thorns, like Jesus. And we were talking about communion. And, and then I walked a little further, and I saw um, the fence that had gotten knocked over the barbed wire fence. It almost looked identical. The barbs looked like um, the crown of thorns, but it had wound up too, and I could just see that Jesus, if he was modern-day Jesus, he probably 
potentially could have worn a crown of barbed wire because he's a person that delivers people from prisons. And, and I just felt to say that there's some things that have locked you up, whether it's in your mind, your subconscious, your natural, your circumstances where you've been locked up. There's things that keep where God's or, or circumstances are keeping you out of something or keeping you stuck in something. And I saw Jesus take the barbed wire on him to free and free you from whatever you're stuck in. So I'll share that. Should have shared that at the nine. Maybe they weren't leaning in enough. Anyway. Probably what it is. Um, all right, I'm going to share some scriptures. We're gonna, we have a lot of scriptures we're going to cover. Um, and I shared all these with Simon today. He's like, are you reading the whole Bible? We've got a lot of the Bible in here today, but the Bible will change your life. You need the Bible in you, and so we are always going to preach the Bible. We encourage you to read the Bible for yourself. It will transform your life. Okay, we're going to start in Romans 10.10. 10. You're going to find every one of these original scriptures has to do either with the heart, with faith, or with a fight. Okay, because you need faith and a fight in your heart. So we're going to start with Romans 10.10. 10. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith, interesting, your confession actually matters, that you are saved, as the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Moving to Romans 1, 17, for, it, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Faith matters. 1 Timothy 6, 12, this is really huge. This is Paul, who was a father in the faith to Timothy, he sent Timothy on assignment. This is his instruction to his spiritual son. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Psalm 27, 13 through 14. I certainly, this is David, I certainly believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Be strong. And let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Finally, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, get this, especially you men in the room. Be on alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. I'm going to tell you, be strong. At Awaken, our wives are incredibly strong. We believe in incredibly healthy mothers and daughters. In an hour where the spirit of Jezebel is at work and at play and there are man-eaters and man-killers, we raise man-builders. Um, and we love, we love the voice of our women. But, 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 our women are not more spiritual than our men. Our men take responsibility for spiritual inventory of our own faith, of our own heart. We are strong men. We are a culture of strong men. We're a men that overcome things. I want you to know that. We're men that fight. We don't shy away from the fight. Some of us are learning to fight. Religion has taken the fight out of us. God's going to put a fight back in you. Are you ready for this? All right. You know it's the word of the Lord when there's an acronym. <laughs> acronym is fight. I'm going to go through these five, but then we're going to start at the, at the T in fight and work our way um, back up. But there's a, a fight for famine. 
there's a fight for identity, there's a generational fight, there's a health fight, but we're going to start with a trust fight, with a trust fight. Everything's going to have to do with do you trust God? Can you trust God? Can you trust God again in the face of circumstances? I heard at the conference that God spoke to me, or I was at church and God spoke to me, but now it's been three weeks and it looks like it's worse than it was. Can you still trust God? These are the kinds of things that you're going to have to learn how to build some muscles, some strength, some girth, some perseverance. We're going to start in Genesis, and we're going to get through this, Simon. I have faith. I like the 11. The 9 was wrong. The 11 is fiery, feisty, hungry, passionate. All right. The trust fight. Genesis 15, 4 through 6. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This is Abraham. Saying, this man will not be your heir. Remember, God had blessed Abraham with servants and camels and wealth. But he didn't have a son. And Abraham's complaining, what does all this matter if I don't have an heir? And so this is God's promise back to Abraham. This man will not be your heir, but the one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, now look toward the heavens, count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Then he believed, that's called faith, or trusted in the Lord, and, and God credited it to him as righteousness. And he actually became the father of faith. But I want you to know he became the father of faith, not at the promise, but when he stayed in faith and realized the promise. And I want to talk a little bit about the journey of staying in faith. Because the word coming to you is not enough. You have to, you have to let the word try you and let the word become the governor of your life so circumstances begin to bow to what God has said. And that can take some time. In this case, it was 25 years. You think you've been waiting a little while, huh? Well... He had to wait 25 years. I want you to know to the degree, the higher the call is, the higher the assignment is, if God wants to call you the father of all faith, that means you might have to be tried a little harder because there's significance. That means there's weight on your assignment. And so what I always find when I see people that want to do great things for God, I always, I always like that but I realize that they're going to have a little bit of a more difficult journey because greatness just takes a little more time to develop, okay? But what's interesting, and this is some things that I picked up in the Word this week that I've, I've never seen before. Two things I picked up this week I, I've never seen before. And one is that of the 25 years he waited, all, most of the crazy drama broke out in the last year. The year right before. He's getting ready to see God come through. Drama breaks out. Have you found that before in your own life? Right when you're getting close to the finish line, it's just like things just get a little crazy. And it's interesting. It was in a three-month period, Abraham went through more drama around the promise of God than he had in the previous 24 years. And here's what happened. God came to him again. Has God ever spoken to you twice about the same thing? Okay, oftentimes you and I need to hear it multiple times. It's a good idea for you to write it down so you can say it to yourself, and then you don't need as much reminders, but I still think you're going to need a bunch of reminders. If it's really God and there's really a fight involved, you're going to need a lot of reminders. Okay, this is what happened. Um, God shows up again. 
Genesis 18, 14, and he says, is anything too hard for the Lord? This is 24 years after the first promise. God shows up again and says, is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. In the next three months, drama breaks out. First of all, his nephew Lot, who's a perpetual problem, have you ever had somebody in your life that you shouldn't be responsible for, but somehow you can't get them off your mind, and they seem to show up, and you're the one who seems to have to look? That was Lot. He was a lot of problem for Abraham. And he got himself, he moved to the wrong city, married probably the wrong person, and he was creating drama for Abraham. Well, Abraham's got his own drama. He's believing God for something, and now he's got to go fix Lot's issue. Welcome to life. You're always going to have a lot. So anyway, Lot, you know, Sodom just gets destroyed while Adam's like believing for a son. Um, you know, comets and fire and all kinds of stuff is falling from the sky. And not just Lot has to get displaced from his city, but he loses his wife. Do you want to know why? Because his wife longed to go back. I'm going to tell you something. It's very dangerous when God's trying to get you out of disaster, but something in you is craving to go back there. Listen, listen, listen. If God's trying to get you out of something, follow him. Don't be longing to go back. Now, there will be longings inside of you, but that's why you need God inside of you governing your mind, will, and emotions so that when that crazy voice comes back, you know that voice that I'm talking about, you're able to subdue it and say, no, 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 I ain't going back there. I ain't even looking back there. I deleted that person's contact information. Probably speaking to somebody. Now, it got worse. Um, right after that, um, Abraham, well, let's pick this up here in Genesis 20. Abraham, right, right after this, right after, you know, the whole drama with Lot and his wife and their family, Abraham moved south to the Negev and lived for a while between Kadesh and Shur, and then he moved on to Gerar. While living there as a foreigner, Abraham introduced his wife, Sarah, by saying, she's my sister. Wait, wait a minute. You've waited 24 flipping years, and now you're going to introduce her, not as your wife, as your sister. You're, you're telling me you're right on the precipice of, of the breakthrough, of the miracle, and you're, you're going to let this guy take, him, take her into his harem. Like, What? But this is how drama will make you crazy right before breakthrough. I've been crazy right before breakthrough. I remember, I'll tell you, like, like we're about to graduate uh, our first 12 apprentices from PFA right here, okay? The, season 12, we've got 12 apprentices that are graduating this Friday at our house. It's going to be epic. And, but season 12, um, I want you to know that means, that means six years ago we started season one. And season one was six years after the promise to start this thing. And I want you to know, right before this thing launched, the drama. The drama was so fierce. Now, we didn't realize the hundreds of graduates and people that we would be transforming through this program. All, we didn't see the promise. All we saw was the, the pain. And I want you to know, right before this thing launched, right before we launched one of the greatest things that's happening for discipleship at Awaken, we were walking through craziness, lunacy, losing your head. Um, and, I, you know, by the grace of God, we got through it. And now we got some apprentices graduating this Friday. 
we got a bunch more coming in this next semester, too. Hmm. But get this. Get this. Right before, right before he's about to get in to see the promise of God, he starts to compromise. He starts to feel the pressure to, to try to figure out a way to survive, okay? Um, so King Abimelech and of Gerar sent for Sarah and had her brought to him at his palace. But that night God came to Abimelech in a dream and told him, you are a dead man. For that woman you have taken is already married. But Abimelech had not slept with her yet. So he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Didn't Abraham tell me she's my sister? And she herself said, yes, he's my brother. I acted in complete innocence. My hands are clean. In the dream, God says this to him. Yes, I know you are innocent. That's why I kept you from sinning against me and why I did not let you touch her. Now return, to the, to return the woman to her husband and he will pray for you for he is a prophet. Get this. This is craziness. I've never seen this before. Then you will live. But if you don't return her to him, you can be sure that you and all your people will die. It's really good to have God on your side, just by the way. Then Abraham, listen, then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants. Any guesses what they needed healing for? The one thing he had not experienced in his own life. The final test for Abraham before he was ready to be trusted is he had to believe God for somebody else who was infertile. God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants so they could have children. For the Lord had caused all the women to be infertile because of what happened with Abraham's wife, Sarah. The next verse. The next verse. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant. She gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said it would. Interesting. It's a trust fight. It's a trust fight. You might be in a trust fight right now where you're trying to believe God for something he said, and it hasn't come to pass yet. And I want you to know we need you to be believing God for things that haven't come to pass yet. That's what faith is for. Um, all right. Dude, I feel like Sean sends him up a few minutes earlier every time. <laughs> We're only through point one. There's faith at the 11. We're going to get through it, though. And, and I want you to get this because... Your trust is your biggest thing, but your trust plays out on these other fields that we're going to hit. And the first one is the health field or the health fight. John, 3 John 1, 2, beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. Now, Sarah's body was not in alignment with health. It was dysfunctioning. So what caused her body to come into alignment? Was it just the time finally worked out, the medicine, all the doctors? Or was it faith governing circumstances that brought her body 
into alignment. And I want you to know your faith, if you operate in faith and you make room, and this is why it says to prosper in your soul or in your heart. What it means to prosper in your soul or in your heart means that you have developed and cultivated a heart that is applied and surrendered to the will of God. And as you're growing in confidence and governance in your heart and the kingdom of God is growing in you, it gives you more authority to circumstances, body parts, cells, organs, wombs, and they come into alignment. But if you neglect the health of your soul, the health of your heart, and you don't put faith in there, and you, you don't put a fight in there, and you don't have an appetite. Our son is 16, Josiah, and I would say he has a healthy appetite. The boy can eat. And I think it's a sign of health. I'm going to tell you, in this world, there is so much available for you to consume and eat. Most of it is not good for your faith or your heart, and it certainly will not put a fight in you. It's one of the reasons the kingdom, it, these things come out through prayer and fasting. Fasting is basically telling my body, I don't serve you. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't watch that. I, I could. I have freedom. But when I determine to follow God and feast on the things of God, and there are seasons, if you're in a fight, you need to feast on the things of God. Because I'm going to tell you, your diet will determine your destination. And if you can diet on the things of God and build faith and courage and, and an appetite for the Spirit, you can start to dictate things that are contrary to what you're seeing. Right now, I just started 40 days again. Why? Not to be religious. Because there are circumstances internally and externally that need to change. And my diet wasn't lining up with transformational. My diet was lining up. It was my diet of what I was watching, my, my diet of what I was spending time doing, and I was, I was wasting time, squandering time, and I certainly wasn't cultivating a heart that had a fight and a faith, faith in it. And so, therefore, I wasn't seeing change. In fact, have you ever been in a season where it feels like it's actually going the, the wrong direction? Sometimes that's circumstances. Sometimes that's just the way it is. Sometimes it's because you're not dining on faith. You're actually surrendering territory in your own heart. And you decided that, you know, I'm, you know, prayer's one thing, but I guess it's not that important. If it was God's will, I guess it would just happen. Nope. Prayer is a muscle that gets built in your heart, and you make things happen, and you cause things to shift, but your diet is everything. Okay. Okay, okay. Get this. Um. I'll prove it to you because we're talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, okay? And, and Jacob inherited all these promises that actually should have been Esau's. Esau was the older brother. He deserved the birthright. But you know why he lost his privilege, his blessing? is because he had an appetite for the things of the world. I'm just telling you that they called him a man of the field. Another word for field is, a, is the earth or a man of the world or a, or a man with carnal appetites. And so forth, he prioritized his carnal appetites over the appetites for the blessing of God. And what positioned Jacob for the promises of God is he had an appetite. Even though he had other issues, he had an appetite for the promises of God. Your appetite will determine where you end up. Esau sells his birthright for a bowl of soup. 
crazy what you will sell your destiny for if you're not feeding on the things of God. It's amazing how deceptive it can be and how, how watered down your life can be. And when your life is watered down, it lacks potency. When your life lacks potency, it lacks conviction. And when your life lacks conviction, you start surrendering and discounting and giving yourselves to things that you know aren't even you. They're certainly not God. what, what God has said. We need a health fight. Health starts in your soul, starts in your heart, works out into your life, works out into your mind, works out into your body, but it starts in your soul. Lot lost his wife because she had an appetite for Sodom. Crazy. What do you have an appetite for? What would it look like to be hungry for the things of God? Maybe for you, fasting's food thing, but maybe it's something else. Maybe it's time to take a break from a relationship. Maybe it's time to take a break from an app. <laughs> maybe it's time to take a break from a TV series. Maybe it's time to take a break from sleeping in on Tuesday morning. Maybe it's, I don't know. What, like, what do you, what? You want a different outcome? Well, you need a different input. Eat better. To the degree that you'll feed your soul is to the degree that you will manifest health in this life. Not just for you, but your family and every generation will be affected by what you feed yourself. All right. Generational fight. We're doing good here, Sean. Doing really right on point here. It's funny because we're talking about, you know, God is known in history as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and it's just so interesting how he chose a family that had experienced faith in some areas and total breakdown in other areas. God is so comfortable with our humanity. He's so comfortable working through people that have dysfunction, but his desire is to bring function into the dysfunctional areas. And what I, what I love about the generational fight is if you look at Abraham, he had all this breakthrough in prosperity. He fought like tooth and nail for a breakthrough in his wife's productivity. It's funny, these are the things that we believe for at Awaken, the three wells. Those that are barren give birth. Those that are sick get healed. And those that are struggling with, pros- with poverty come, in, come out of that, come into, come into prosperity. Thank you, Gary Johnson. Um, but depending on the degree of your generational dysfunction will de- depend on how much you have to fight to break the cycle. If you're the first person to face this thing in your generations and grandfather neglected it and, and dad neglected it, left it to you, and you're the person who has to fight the generational, it might be more fierce. And then your son, he'll still have to enforce it, but it'll be a lot easier. But And so let's just look real quick at, at the different things that Abraham fought and defeated, and then his son... Isaac fought and defeated, and then the things they neglected. Prosperity, man, he was operating in it. He, de- he, he stepped into a realm of God's blessing that was unprecedented, okay? Um, Isaac also stepped into a realm of trusting God in his finances, even in famines. Even in famines, they trusted God. In fact, it said about Isaac, it, there was a famine in the land similar to the year or similar to the famine that was in Abraham's, in his father's family. So Isaac had watched his father go through a famine and trust God. 
and trust God. And I don't have enough, but I trust God. He's the one that's going to bring resources. It says Isaac sowed in the land, and he reaped a hundredfold, and he became prosperous and continued to prosper until he became very prosperous. I know that those of you who don't like prosperity don't, don't necessarily like that. Well, read the Bible, okay? What we encourage you to do is read the Bible for yourself. Okay, and you, you make a distinction of what God blesses and what God calls good and what God calls not good. Um, poverty is not good. It's destructive. It's damaging. Prosperity puts you in a position that honors God and allows you to be generous towards other people. God wants you to prosper. But you might have cycles of poverty that need to be broken. And to the degree that your generations have dealt with it will be to the degree that you get to walk in it. Okay? So... Abraham, Isaac both walk in prosperity. So guess what? Jacob, it's easy for him to prosper. He goes and works for Laban, and even though he's working for somebody else, he's still prospering. Whatever he puts his hands to, um, Jeff Rakowski, whatever he puts his hands to, prospers. In fact, the company, Fortune Builders, that he's working for prospers just because Jeff Rakowski's there. But the reality is the blessing of God is on, is on Jeff Rakowski or on Jacob in this case. But here's the problem. There were some things that Abraham neglected to deal with. He was a deceiver. He had deception. He's right on the brink of like getting his wife pregnant. And he's about to give her to the, the king, Abimelech. And he lies to him. You know what's funny is even though Isaac later operated in the prosperity of Abraham, he also operated in the deception of Abraham. Went to the same king and tried to share Rebecca and say, she's my sister. Crazy. So here you have the father of faith has neglected to exercise faith over an area of his life, and as a result, now you have Jacob. You know Jacob's name was Deceiver. That's the name. It's heel grabber, heel snatcher, De Deceiver. Imagine when you get steeped in dysfunction, you start calling things dysfunctional. You start naming them. They, they take on an identity of dysfunction, and that's Jacob. So he's walking in the blessing and the inheritance, the generational fight of his father that was good, but then he's left to face his own fight to change the generation, the generational issues he didn't. And, and I'm going to tell you, wherever you are, you're going to have things you've inherited from your parents that are amazing. And you're going to build on their shoulders. But unfortunately, you're going to have things that they never faced, and you have to face them. It's going to be on you and your generation. It's not fair. I'm sorry that it happened. You shouldn't have to clean up this mess. But it is your responsibility. And God's power in you is a, is a, is a cycle-breaking power. Good? Generational fight. What's yours? What's your generational fight? What's the thing that has fallen on you? You didn't want it. But your dad didn't deal with it. Your mom didn't deal with it. And now it's on you. Are you going to deal with it? Or are you going to just kick it on down the, to the next generation? I say we deal with it. It won't be easy. It won't be that fun. It might get dirty. It might get ugly. You know, for uh, David to take Jerusalem, he had to go up through the gutter. In other words, it was an untakeable city, but God called him to take it. In fact, what's, what's funny is when God calls you to take something and, and, it, and it's someplace you've never been before, there's, there's things that mock you. And, and they would, the blind and the lame would mock David. You'll never get in here. And I'm going to tell you something. If you choose to go after something that has not been taken in your generation or in your previous history, you're going to have to go through some things. You're going to have to go through the gutter sometimes. But I'm going to tell you, if you'll follow God, you can take anything. 
That city became what's called the city of David, where God put his strongest anointing. I'm going to tell you something. If you'll face generational things, God will put his strongest anointing on the very thing that you had to overcome. And you won't just be somebody who's free for yourself, but you'll become a chain breaker. You'll be someone who carries the ability to set other people free. Now, if you choose to not go through whatever it takes to get free, you'll be stuck in the cycle for another generation won't be good for you. It certainly won't be better for those that are looking to you. And you certainly won't have the anointing or the authority to get somebody else free. But what if we chose to fight? What if we chose to cultivate a heart that's willing to fight, willing to go there? What do you need to deal with in this season that's plagued you for 25 years or 10 years or 25 months? It's just time. It's just time to deal with it. It's time to put it to to death. It's time to kill it. Go again. Pray again. Fight again. We're going to put a fight in you. The identity fight. We got to end this. The identity fight. Interesting. God is a name changer. He's a name changer. Jacob, whose name was Deceiver, God says, You will no longer be called Jacob. I'm going to change your name to Israel, which means prince with God. That means all that I have, you're an heir of. You don't have to deceive to get a hold of it because it's all yours anyway. But I want you to know what is the thing that you've been labeled or labeled yourself or the historical generational dysfunction that has, you've identified with it. Can't see yourself in any other way. God wants to bring change. For me, it was confidence. I had no confidence. I was grossly insecure and steeped in rejection for 30 years. That was my existence. And God came to me and said, I'm going to change your name. And I'm going to make you confident. And that became that became a word in spite of circumstances. So I still had all these insecurities. But God's word came and said, but once in a, after a while, I began to give my voice to his word. And that was the tiebreaker. I'm telling you, that's good preaching, Gary. And, and I began to enforce confidence over circumstances. You with me? This is how it works. This is how it works. This is how it works. God wants to change your identity. What would he say about you? Like think about a good, good father who loves you so much, what does he say about you? And if what he says about you begins to govern your heart, he'll put a confidence and a fight in you. Last thing is the famine fight. And I just believe the famine fight is important because I I think a lot of us struggle in this area. Finances are a battle, and, and we don't have a history of winning this battle. And maybe our parents filed for bankruptcy no one's ever owned a home. So, and, and this is what's not fair. When you're overcoming something, sometimes it's addiction. You know, I hate stories where people are like, yeah, I got saved and I just quit swearing. I just didn't feel like drinking anymore. I'm, yeah, I quit watching porn. It's, it's like, really? Like, I have to fight for all this stuff and you just got delivered? Like, I, it's not fair sometimes. Seems like for me, it's like everything's a fight. I feel like your famine is your fight. And where you need to identify is where's your fight. And usually where you need to fight is where your famine is. Is it sickness? Is that your famine? Health issues? Generational? 
Mom died of cancer. Dad's got diabetes. It's just in the blood. Just runs in. This is, you know, this is how it is. That's, that's how we talk. That's how you talk in culture. You don't have any other hope unless you introduce yourself to the hope of the world. What's born of God overcomes the world. He begins to take resident in my heart. And my heart begins to govern my soul and my body. Finances. Okay. Well, that's our FIGHT acronym. Trust. Health. Identity. Generation. And famine. The only way you can really overcome the world and become a fighter is if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And We always have new people here. We always want to make room for people to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and, and be born of the Spirit. And when you're born of the Spirit, you're inviting the living God in to dwell, to live in your heart. And from that place, he begins to clean house. Oh, my gosh. Begins to renew, begins to align me with him and his image and his, his plans for me, his voice over me, his goodness. All I've known is dysfunction, and now I'm being introduced to fully functional and if you're here and you really want to have a relationship with the living God, and close your eyes real quick. We're going to wrap up right here. We're doing good. If you're here and you need a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm just going to count to three, and you want to invite him into your heart. Um, on the count of three, just shift your hand, lift your hand up. One, two, three. Who's here? Oh, yeah, there's quite a few of us. Yeah, I see right there. Two pretty ladies right there. A couple of young youth. I love it. Handsome youth. Let's just all pray together. Never ever underestimate the power of praying this prayer. Let's all repeat as a family. Father God, I want to thank you for loving me so much, for sending your one and only son to die for me, to purchase me out of famine and dysfunction and fill me with your love and your life and your spirit. I put my trust in you. I believe in you. In my heart, I make room for you in my life. Come into my life. Be my savior. Be my master. My governor. I give you permission to rule my life. To run my life. Have your way in me. God, you're my father now. Heaven's my home. In Jesus' name. All right, last thing. Let's all stand on our feet. We're done wrapping up. But before I do that, I want to put a fight in you. Where do you need a fight? Is anybody here who your fight's health? You need to see breakthrough in health. We're going to pray. But do you realize you got to fight now? It's not God's will. What you're facing is not God's will. It's God's will that you learn to fight, okay? How many of us, it's, it's, it's famine, it's, it's, uh, it's financial, financial frustration, generational frustration. Got all the promises of God, it just won't work. Okay, good. We need to put a fight in you. It's time to fight. It's time to fight. How many of us, it's identity? Oh, my gosh. The way you see yourself, uh, the way you see yourself, the things that are in your head, the uh, the way you look at yourself, how many identity, we're going we're gonna to put a fight in you. We're going to shift that. We're going to break that. But, but guess who's going to break it? You are. You're going to grow your ability to come into agreement with your father who loves you, 
and calls you beautiful, calls you amazing. And we're going to begin to override those other voices with our voice. His voice plus our voice equals everything changes. Who's got generational stuff? I mean, you said you never wanted to be like your mom, and now you're yelling at your kids and you sound just like her. It's like, oh my gosh, I made almost a vow I wouldn't do this, and here I am. It doesn't have to be that, but it's something in your generations, and you need the ability to fight it. Because now, now the fight's bigger than you. You're fighting something that, that needs to be broken generationally, so, so you might have to fight a little harder. It's worth the fight. All right, I'm going to put a fight in us. Put your hands up. God, I declare right now faith coming in to the hearts and minds of everyone in this room. And I speak over these areas. I speak over health right now. Health fight, health fight, health fight. I declare the ability to fight with faith. I declare where there's been um, historical disease, injury, um, diabetes, cancer. We break the cycles of generational dysfunction in health and we declare bodies are coming in to cooperation. But we say a fight and a faith coming into your people. I speak over poverty. I say those that have been fighting, it's like not even fair. It feels like it feels like you work three times harder than other people and you just don't see the results. And we break right now a spirit of intimidation around finances and we release a fight into the heart in this area. You're not, listen, you're not just gonna be a person who is prosperous yourself, but you're gonna carry with you generational prosperity. You're gonna carry it. You're gonna be able to deposit in others. I speak to identity right now, where we have, we, where we don't like ourselves. When we think about ourselves, we, we don't have a good view of ourselves. We don't have a good internal dialogue. We exchange that this morning for what you say about us, God. I declare a shift in our identity, and I break every generational curse that's on your people, God. And I declare not only are we not subject to generational dysfunction, but we are leaving a legacy of generational life and health. God, put your fight in this people. Put your fight in us. Put a faith and a courage and a determination that only you can bring. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.